With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> and welcome to 99% They Found Me. Barbecue chicken. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the jumping in the Pacific Ocean to Clay Thompson's newfound shooting success, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Good. I have infinitely more energy than Clay Thompson. Also, it was on 420, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. So for anyone out of the loop, Clay Thompson wasn't playing great in the playoffs, and then he started playing really well, and he credited it to taking a relaxing dip in the Pacific Ocean. My favorite part about it was that Kevin Durant was like, we all know what Clay was doing. <laughs> it's just like an open secret at this point. I love it so much. It's quite fantastic. Well, speaking of fantastic things, let's get prepared in a fantastic way in our fantastic segment that we like to call the locker room. I got a hat that has like the little whirly bird on top. There, there it is. There it is. I was on a player select screen in a video game and I picked my new outfit. (laughs) Mike, we have new patrons. Yay, I love new patrons. All right, we have Micah Griwan, Jen McEnnis, and Ray Shankar. Joining our Patreon team led by the producer-level patrons, Teal, Misha Stanton, Brienne Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Wouter Vandermaiden, Cody Powell, and Mats Furley. Whatever you guys were doing on 420, I'm sure they were having the best time doing it. Yeah. Whatever it is. We can fill out a full NBA roster now with our producer-level patrons, I think. We can get a full 15-man squad together. Regardless of who we pick up, my center is going to be named Burger. Good. You know, in the NBA game that we're playing right now, Mike, you know what's better than just video game versions of your favorite podcasts and sports? Wait, there's a video game version of podcasts? I wish, but until that comes, you can see us live. Whoa. Multitude is having a whole bunch of live shows, and we are really excited to tell you about it. So the first thing that we're doing is coming up in the beginning of June. We are going to be in Nashville for PodX in Nash Vegas, baby. That's what my mom calls it. I don't know if that's true. No one should call it that. I agree that no one should call it Nash <laughs> Vegas. So the Multitude crew is going to be doing a bunch of live events. There's going to be panels. We're really excited to see people. We're going to have a meetup in Nashville as a part of like the larger constellation of awesome podcasts that are going to be at Pod X, the 10th in the pod series. Um, <laughs> just, it's just the first one. <laughs> yeah, it is, it, is, it is the first one. It's going to be Pod X 2, which sounds like a spaceship, and I'm very excited about it. That'll be next year if we get asked back. Hopefully we don't screw it up. <laughs> Oh, gears open. The next thing we're doing is going to be at the Bell House in Brooklyn on June 21st. And then we're going to do a show in Boston on October 10th at City Space Boston. This is going to be awesome. We're figuring out exactly what the live show is going to look like, but it's going to be very exciting. There will be representation of all the multitude shows doing fun stuff. Some 
things like the shows themselves, some things a little different. It's going to be super fun. So if you want to go to these shows and learn about these live opportunities, you can go to multitude.production slash live. You can get a discount on tickets to Pod X And patrons, check your inbox for a patron-only presale on Wednesday, May 1st at 10 a.m. Tickets go on sale for everyone else Friday, May 3rd. But again, all the information for all of these live shows is at multitude.productions live. And you can see all of this information in the episode description. We also have a sponsor this week, which isn't just amazing things that we're doing live. Yeah. Mike, do you know anything about Wix.com? I know a lot of things about Wix.com. They make it easy for you to make websites, which is a hard thing to do without them. I have been <laughs> hashtag blessed enough through Wix to make a portfolio website of sorts of my own because when we were putting together things for PodX and other conventions that Multitude is doing, I was the only person without a portfolio website. So now I have one. It was so easy. Wix has over 400 templates. They're all very pretty depending on whatever style you're looking for. They have different things for like musicians or graphic designers or if you just want a fancy looking resume boost image website where it's like, look at my resume and other accomplishments I have done. You can tailor it for whatever you're looking for. And the great part about Wix is that there's no time limit on the free trial. You can take as much time as you need to customize the site to make it look exactly how you want. And then you can upgrade to Wix Premium so that you can get a domain name and you can get emails and all sorts of fun features. And if you decide you want to get that Wix Premium account, you can get a discount as a horse listener. If you go to horsehoops.com slash Wix, click the link and you'll get 10% off whatever Wix premium plan you choose, which can be huge savings. 10% off, that's 10% off the total price. Yes, it is. The horse website is made with Wix. It's very pretty. Your website can also be very pretty. Again, go to horsehoops.com slash Wix and get 10% off Wix premium today. Well, Mike, that's all that I had to say in the locker room. I guess you should lead us out using one of your patented cheers. Mm-hmm. Go fight win. My legs are in my shorts. Let's go. <laughs> Well, I'm so jazzed up. Let's do it. <laughs> you don't want your legs outside of your shorts. That's <laughs> a key tenet of basketball that we haven't discussed is that you need to have shorts on. Or that your legs need to be inside of the shorts for them to work <laughs> properly. Because you could have shorts on, but they could be on your arms. And that's not correct. So our first segment, as we always know, is called Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? Yes. I, I checked my telegram and it came in boop 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 And that's what it said. It was at Full Court Press. Oh, there you go. Well, much like other things in the current press, there's that new fancy Avengers movie coming out, <laughs> which has heroes, villains, antiheroes and stuff. And sometimes you need to know who to root for. And Eric, a listener, gave us a wonderful suggestion about how we can apply that reasoning to the playoffs. Shout out Skylar in the Join the Party Discord. Here's what they had to say. They are pitching a petition to have a horse episode about the first round of the NBA playoffs for beginners that explains how the playoffs work and which teams we should root for to avoid rooting for terrible humans. Sincerely, a confused who just wants to be able to follow the championship. I love it. And it's too late to do round one, but I think it's for the best because round two, in my opinion, is the best round of the playoffs. Oh, agreed, agreed. The worst teams have been weeded out. But there's still enough teams left where you have a game every day, which is really nice. You don't have to wait multiple days in between. And all four of these matchups are really spicy. And that's very rare. There's usually one that's a gimme. But all four of these are really heated. And I'm stoked about it. And I would love to start with the East because I think that yeah. more often than not, the East in recent memory has not been as spicy. But the four teams that have shaken out here, including my beloved Boston Celtics, which are obviously going to the Eastern Conference Finals, Ooh. Ugh, are... It's, it's actually going to chop out so i'm excited to start with 
East. Well, let's start with that series. It is between the Bucks, the number one seed, and the Celtics, the number four seed. The Bucks have Giannis Antetokounmpo, wonderful Greek good boy who loves smoothies on their team. <laughs> and the Celtics have a bunch of grumpy men that in the past week have decided to like each other. But that's when team they started. chemistry, baby! <laughs> Eastern Conference playoffs bound! It's very interesting because Kyrie Irving has decided, oh, right, the playoffs. Now I will start playing <laughs> basketball and not being grumpy all of the time. Now I'm going to be a nice person to my coworkers. Mm -hmm. If you're going for the who should I root for thing, I'm very sorry, Eric, but I think Milwaukee is the team to support with the better story and emphasis behind them. They just won their first playoff series since 2001. Yeah. Giannis is just the most wholesome alien that I can ever imagine existing. And the Celtics have already won a ton of championships and they were all just so grumpy for so long that it feels <laughs> wrong for them to get away with it. I feel, listen, I know you're not wrong because Giannis <laughs> is as if a golden retriever was able to play like high level basketball. He is air bud in all of these different ways. But I feel like there are some people on the Celtics you can cheer for. Mm -hmm. I think you can cheer for Gordon Hayward. You can. Who came back from his devastating ankle injury and he's also the player who looks the most like Mike Schubert. Yeah. Which is good. I think you can cheer for Terry Rozier the third mm -hmm. who is a good boy and also did really well last year and now they're finally integrating him back into the lineup to live his playoff life and he has a wine named after him called Terry Rosé which I we I think <laughs> I hear at horse we condone Rosé um and I think you can also cheer for Semi Ojale who is a large Frenchman <laughs> okay no that one invalid you really can root for Al Horford guy who's paid a lot of money that people make fun of all the time during the season and then the playoffs come around and he's one of the best players in the league and everyone's like oh right Al Horford He's the ultimate, like, not respected enough until oh, yeah. it matters card. So they do have key players, but I don't know. Al Horford is my dad. Oh, I love Al Horford. <laughs> he but is my second father. There's too many other grumpy boys on the Celtics. That's a good point. Marcus Morris is really grumpy. Jason Tatum is kind of grumpy. I know. Jalen Brown just seems He's too indifferent. Cool. He's yeah. just too cool <laughs> to play basketball. And now Marcus Smart, who is a literal honey badger, is injured, mm -hmm. which is a super bummer. So, like, I'm going to cheer for the Celtics, but you can cheer for Giannis. Brooke Lopez deserved cheers, though. Brooke Lopez is a big man who was not good at shooting three-pointers, and then in the offseason decided, what if I got really good at shooting three-pointers? <laughs> That's true. It's like someone picking up a hobby, but then being the best at it. Like, I'm going to try knitting, and then they just, like, make Weasley <laughs> sweaters daily <laughs> he's like yo check out all of my ships in a bottle <laughs> the next e series is between the philadelphia 76ers and the toronto raptors so many grumpy boys this is peak grump this is grumpy bowl 2019 <laughs> there's a lot of grumpiness here the grumpiness of the raptors is that their previous playoff career as an organization was just getting murdered by lebron james every single year for six years in a row so now they don't run into lebron however there is still grump surrounding them because Kawhi leonard their best player doesn't seem like he wants to stay on the team after this year i don't think he wants to do anything i think he wants to sit in a room and no one talk to him and he wants to eat saltines and then every so often the owner of the raptors comes out and be like all right Kawhi, you're on and then he's just gonna play basketball and then no one looks at him 
Then you have the Philadelphia 76ers who just got out of a very heated and very grumpy series with the Brooklyn Nets. Bow, bow, bow. Best team in New York City. Mm-hmm. And 28th in home league attendance. <laughs> so yeah, doing real great. As a Knicks fan, when people are like, oh, the Nets are so good. Nobody's going to fucking Nets games. So that's real cute. Jerry Dudley's going to come to your house and fight you, apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, is he going to run out of breath on his way up the stairs? Yeah, and he'll still fight you, though. I get that the Sixers do have some grumpy boys, but... They have the two funniest people in the league on their team. Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are the two funniest people in the entire NBA. Jimmy Butler emotes so much with his face. I love him, though, because he can be so goofy. Like, after he had that game winner and he just stood still for 15 seconds. <laughs> yes. And then he has the pregame ritual with the equipment manager. Did you see this? No. So he has his pregame ritual with an equipment manager where one of the equipment managers sits in Jimmy Butler's seat outside of the locker room. And then when Jimmy Butler comes into the locker room, he turns and points at the equipment manager and goes, get the fuck out of my seat, man. And then they dap it up and then he leaves. So there's this great clip and we'll link to it on horsehoops.com. There's this great clip, which is very much like The Office. It's on Jimmy Butler's YouTube channel where it shows the equipment manager and he explains this. And then it cuts to the scene of Jimmy Butler telling him to get the fuck out of his seat. And then it goes back to the equipment manager and he goes, that's our pregame ritual. It's oh, and he just has an ear-to-ear smile on. It's so cute. Jimmy Butler is such a YouTuber. I feel like that lowers it I in my mind. I love it. I love it so much. There have been a few times where people have compared me to Jimmy Butler. We have long faces and similar like mushroom cloudy hair, or at least I did in college. Mm-hmm. Like it was like Guile from Street Fighter is what my hair used to look like. And that's what Jimmy Butler's got. Also, you got the YouTube angle, and he was also sponsored by Bonobos for a while, which is where I get most of my clothes Bonobos from. Bonobos is very good. That's true. So I... Hey, Bonobos, if you want to sponsor us, we would love that a lot. It would also not be smart, though, because I already have so many clothes from them. I would that like it... more. I keep <laughs> buying pants. I need more. Uh, I say that you can kind of root for whoever you want. I would love to root for Toronto because they need a break, and also Canada gets cold. But just remember that Drake likes the Raptors. Oh. Uh. So then we move to the Western Conference, and we have a matchup between the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. This is an interesting matchup because it's the two teams that no one believed in. Everyone thought that both the Nuggets and the Blazers were going to get upset, and they barreled down and won their first round series. So it's kind of hard to pick like an underdog angle. I think the Nuggets have a slight edge. They haven't made the playoffs in a very long time. They made a series run in a while. But the Blazers have the edge in that... They were not one of the top teams throughout the season, and one of their best players got injured. I don't think you can go wrong rooting for either team here. I think if you you could go really hard for the Blazers, because one, they have amazing uniforms. They do. And two, Portland is very good. It is. And three, last year, remember, they got swept by the Pelicans. They did. And like, you're just like getting all of that Anthony Davis juju off of you. Mm-hmm. So I think that as true underdogs, really getting yourself out of this bullshit that happened to you before, I would take the Blazers. I think it comes down to which of these two players you like more. Do you like Damian Lillard more or do you like Nikola Jokic more? Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard is tiny, fast guard who is very good at shooting very deep three-pointers that don't look like they should go in and then making very challenging layups that also don't look like they should go in. He also has one of the best celebrations in the NBA where he slaps his wrist where an imaginary watch would be (laughs) to signify that it is Dame time instead of game time. Dame time is extremely good. It's very good. That's also uh, Judy Dench's celebration. Dame time. (laughs) Dame time. (laughs) But she touches her wrist much more gently. (laughs) She does it hard. It's like a real fucking slap. (laughs) 
<laughs> but then on the Nuggets, you have Nikola Jokic, who is just this tall, seven-foot Eastern European man who has no muscle definition and does not look like he should be playing a basketball. Not very fast, but he does very crafty things, like throws the ball very long for ridiculous passes or behind his head or all these sorts of things. So... It's basically a tale of two things that are ridiculous. Do you want someone making ridiculous shots or someone making ridiculous passes and just generally looking like they shouldn't be as good as they are? Yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with either team. You really can't. Now I'm envisioning Dame Time in NBA Jam. You have Judy Dench and Meryl Streep, and mm. that is a fucking baller. Mm-hmm. That is a baller combo. That's very good. They have, like, so many Oscars. And then they've got the Maggie team. Smith off the bench. <laughs> I, I sub in Maggie Smith because she gets hot real quick. Mm-hmm. That's how I win. That's how I win. I bring in Maggie Smith. She really brings that energy when you're uh, doing it on the arcade. Also, big head mode. Hilarious. Very good, very good. But let's go to the final matchup, probably the most anticipated matchup of this round of the playoffs, and that is between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Mm, Both two teams that are hard to root for, huh? Yes, because you have the Warriors who are just too good. everything. They're just too good. No matter how much of a beginner you are, I think you kind of knew that the Warriors are good at sports. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Rockets who have Chris Paul, not the most likable basketball player out there, and James Harden, guy who likes to go to the foul line, whether you want to say it's flopping or not. Great beard, weird guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want the Rockets to win because I'm tired of the Warriors keep winning, and I think it would be funny in like a cosmic sort of NBA drama sort of way if they lost in the second round. It would really spurn Durant to finally go to your beloved uh, New York Knicks. See, I want it. For the same reason you stated, but I want the Warriors to win because I think that if the Warriors don't win the championship this year, Kevin Durant has a bit of like an unfinished business angle where he wants to run it back and be like, no, no, we got to win another one. I want them to win so that he goes, okay, we got the three-peat. This has been my four-year stretch with the Warriors. This has been fun. I have won a bunch of rings. Look at how accomplished I am now. I want to go to a different team Hmm. and I want to establish my legacy of bringing this team out of the doldrums and into the spotlight and what better place to do it than New York City. So I very selfishly want the Warriors to win this round and the whole playoffs. You can go either way. I feel like the more common and acceptable answer is to root for the Rockets. Yes. But you also can root for the Warriors if you just enjoy beautiful basketball. Also, if you have a friend from San Francisco, they will force you to root for the Warriors. Warriors fans, they'll just like peel off your skin if you don't appreciate that Steph Curry is the greatest person of all time. I mean, the Warriors were just so bad for so long. That's fair. So bad for so long. Don't talk about Baron Davis like that. My favorite player, Baron Davis. They were so bad for a very long time. Baron Davis, if you're out there, I'm not talking. That was Mike. That was me. (laughs) I appreciate you so much. So that is the wrap-up of the second round of the playoffs. Hopefully you're more informed about who you should and shouldn't root for. Instead of talking about things that have happened in the future, I want to talk about a game that happened in the past. And this might be our first, like, serial-style investigation, and that actually happened. Bloom, 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 A 13-year-old boy is playing basketball in his yard. And then an MVP... Wants to challenge him to a game? Did this happen? And is Aaron Carter telling you the truth? This week, and that actually happened. Ta-da! Brought to you by Zip Recruiter! (laughs) (laughs) This is the story of how Aaron Carter beat Shaq. Oh! Before you get into this, have I told you that I met Aaron Carter and made fun of him to his face? No! (laughs) Why did you keep this? Me. I uh, set up this whole serial <laughs> thing and I want to get into it, but now I need to know the story. 
When I was in college, I was doing videography for the school play. They sent an email out to the entire theater listserv saying that Aaron Carter was going to be teaching a guest lecture spot for a vocal performance class at Rice. And there were a couple open so slots. So many wild things you've mm-hmm, said so mm-hmm. far. They were opening a couple slots to anyone involved in the musical because there was more room than just this class, which was only like 13 people. So I got this email because I was on the listserv and I signed up. It was really intended for the people who had singing roles in the play, but I was like, fuck that. I'm meeting Aaron Carter. I just can't imagine what Aaron Carter can tell you about musical theater. He was on Broadway for a little bit, but just purely for promotional purposes. Like it isn't because he was actually talented. Right. I mean, like so was Eddie George. So So I go to this thing and the way that the class is supposed to work is that they had told three people from the class in advance you're going to be singing for Aaron Carter. You'll sing a song. Someone will be accompanying you on piano and he'll give you pointers. So this one guy goes up. He does pretty well. The second guy goes up. He absolutely kills it. And Aaron Carter stops him right after he finishes singing and says, you could go to Broadway auditions tomorrow and you'd get a role. It's just a weird thing for Aaron Carter to like say to a person. So it is weird. And the guy called it. I was like, no, you can't be serious. Like that's way too kind. And Aaron Carter then said, quote, I only speak in absolute truths. And then I turned to the person next to me, who was my girlfriend at the time, and I said, oh, so he really did beat Shaq in basketball. (laughs) And she laughed very loudly. And Aaron Carter thought that she was just laughing at him. So (laughs) So he called her up and made her sing. She was not prepared to sing. She had nothing prepared. And she was overcoming a cold. So she had to sing a song very nervously and not in the best throat space. And then Aaron Carter gave her pointers while I tried to not explode in laughter for 15 to 20 minutes. That's pretty good. (laughs) Then I rode my longboard out of the classroom and went to mechanical engineering class. See you later, nerds. I'm Michael Schubert, college student. My legacy has been left for the college years. That was a nice detour. Let's go back to cereal. So we are talking. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about the song, That's How I Beat Shaq, which is a single from Aaron Carter's second album, Aaron's Party, in parentheses, come and get it. Instead of talking about this particular song and how it was created as we might do on That Actually Happened, I wanted to dive into the lyrics. There are some questions that I think are unexplainable, and I want to try to break them down. One, how in fact did Aaron Carter beat Shaq? He didn't. Well, like, he did (laughs) in the song. What was the final score if Aaron Carter did in fact beat Shaq? Mm -hmm. And three, was it real? Mm -hmm. Did this actually happen? That is the big, confusing, inception ending to this song. Exactly. How did I wake up with the jersey with the name O'Neal? You just spoiled the big reveal (laughs) at the end. So I'm going to break this down like an English major. I'm really going to analyze the lyrics. So let's first set the scene. So this song was released on February 6th. 2001. Mm -hmm. So the Shaquille O'Neal we're talking about is the Shaquille O'Neal from the season of 99 to 2000. That was the season where the Lakers won their first championship of the three-peat and Shaquille O'Neal was the MVP. We're talking about like peak Shaq, not like Shaq now who like wears giant suits and loves the general. This Shaquille O'Neal put up nearly 30 points per game. Let's start with these first lyrics. Yo, guys, check it out. What happened to me? And immediately Aaron's friends are like, another crazy story? Come on, AC. Unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this happened because no one in his life believes him. I don't. I I mean, well, from the first three (laughs) lines of the song is like, your friends don't think that you tell the truth. 
So Aaron goes on to say that here is what happened to him. He was playing basketball in his own yard. He was working on his game. And then all of a sudden he heard fans screaming. He thought it was for him. So he already is a pop star. I don't know what's happening in the structure of this song. And then he saw a shadow that was 12 foot three, you know, talking about where the, how the sun comes down and I guess how the, as the shadows fall on his basketball court. If we court. were doing an intense deep dive into the song, we could probably Mythbusters and find out exactly what time it was. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't have science for this, but I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about it. That's for our other show, Science Horse. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the horse logo, but he has glasses on. I don't understand that Shaq had nothing better to do to leave the stable. Let's say that he was at the Staples Center playing basketball. He has to drive through L.A. And the only thing that I know about L.A. is that it has tons of traffic. It does. So you're going to drive through an hour and a half of traffic to challenge Aaron Carter at his home in the suburbs? I don't really think so. Seems implausible. Listen, all the evidence is going up against Aaron <laughs> Carter. I don't know if this conviction will be will probably happen for him. Uh, Shaq challenges him to one-on-one. And here's what Aaron decides to do right from the jump. I knew I could take him. I stared at Shaq, psych him out. I said, O'Neal, you're in my house now. So I think he's not wrong about this, is that even though they're both in L.A., this is, in fact, Aaron Carter's back basketball hoop. So it is his home court, and he does have home court advantage. He knows where the dead spots in the concrete are. He knows where the little bumps are that will make the dribbles mess up. This is where I'm trying to get into my second point here, is that I don't know what the final score is, and we need to start. Because by the end of the first verse, as it goes into the chorus, people are scoring baskets. Because it's like, boom, boom, I put it in the hoop like slam, slam. I heard the crowd screaming out, jam, jam. That was a fact. That's how I beat Shaq. There is scoring, so I need to figure out where I'm going to go from here. The problem is that he says he is putting it in the hoop like slam, and the crowd is screaming out jam. Aaron Carter, at age 11, is not dunking the ball. So he's making layups or deep jump shots at best, and then the crowd is going, jam! (laughs) So clearly they're looking for fruit spreads because he's not (laughs) dunking the ball listen he's still putting up points so the next thing that happens is that aaron carter thinks that he has the lead so i looked onto basketball reference and i saw the game in which shaquille o'neal scored the least number of points in the 99 2000 season Mm -hmm. and that was on november 8th 2000 when the lakers were at the san antonio spurs Shaq only put up 13 points. Only. 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 Just that entire game. Peak Tim Duncan was all over him. He was. Just not saying anything and moving in further the rhythm. And just bulging his eyes out at, in key moments. He just walked up to Shaq and was like, hey, do you want to play Magic the Gathering after this? <laughs> so I think that Shaq put up 13 points. Uh, I also noticed later in the song, this isn't street ball rules. So I looked up my favorite street ball game, NBA Street Volume 2, mm-hmm. and they usually play by ones and twos. We've already argued about which is better ones and twos and twos and threes. Mm-hmm. So Aaron Carter agrees with you because later he talks about hitting a three-point shot. Good. So this is timed, though, because at the end, there is a buzzer beater. And there is no buzzer in a street game. You just play to 21, I assumed. Yes. So I think that Aaron was up 21 to Shaq's 13. Okay. That's where we are at the end of the first chorus. Like, as everyone is playing and as these jams are happening, Shaq put up 13 points. I don't know if he got fouled at one point mm-hmm. and he got, he got one pointed. And Aaron Carter's just putting up threes. So he, Aaron Carter has 21 points and Shaq has 13 points. Then the game starts to get away from Aaron. Shaq starts scoring mad points on me and he's scoring all the bricks. And then his friend says, 
was hitting all the shots? Yeah, we already explained that, friends of Aaron Carter. Is the lyric scoring all the bricks? I was scoring the bricks. Oh. So Shaq was scoring mad points, and he was scoring all the bricks. As if he was not making shots, is exactly. what he's trying to say. He's using the word scoring here, which is not the correct use of it. So I think that Shaq finally got ahead of Aaron. He doubled his points to 26. Okay. And we'll see how this progresses and where I got this for the rest of this verse. Aaron needs to stop the flow. Apparently the diesel is running. Shaq Fu is on point. Aaron Carter leaned down and he knew I had a plan that I could change the pace. I said, yo, Shaq, you didn't tie your shoelace. And he looked down. I stole the ball. Now I'm taking him to school now. Watch me all. A three-pointer and nothing my debt. Come on, Shaq. Had enough yet? So he scores a three-point shot, Mm -hmm. and now he's down by two. I'm catching up. So he must have been down by five before, and now he's down by two. So now the score is Shaq 26, Aaron 24. Mm -hmm. Is this math right? Did I do the math correctly? Sounds good to me. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So now Aaron's the man. Dunk after dunk, jam after jam. The cheerleaders are saying, I don't know how Aaron got cheerleaders. I don't know why cheerleaders came Along with them? I don't know how Aaron Carter is dunking. I agree with you about, the, about that. It's metaphorical dunkings. I also like that the announcers were shocked that I couldn't believe it was real. Where are the Where's, announcers who, going? Why are there announcers here? Marv Albert had nothing to do that this day. This wasn't... It wasn't a planned game. It no, was like he was interrupted by Shaq. Was he just going to practice basketball by himself? And then it was like, hey, everyone, and Kevin Harlan. <laughs> a young Kevin Harlan and young Mike me, Green. Come watch me play basketball. And cheerleaders, come cheer for me while I work on my free throws. <laughs> Apparently. Listen, we don't know if they're real cheerleaders. It could be like his friends or something. Regardless, no one should be here. <laughs> The announcers did say, I can't believe a kid just stuffed O'Neal. So Aaron Carter does have one block on his That is wild statue. because Shaq is seven foot two. <laughs> Unless Shaq was shooting granny style, there's no way Aaron Carter would have blocked him. <laughs> Aaron Carter climbed up his back like mm-hmm. Shadow of the Colossus and hit it out of his hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so dunk after dunk, jam after jam. I think that that is two baskets for Shaq and two baskets for Aaron. Mm-hmm. So now we are at Shaq 30, Aaron Carter 28. And Shaq has hit his average 30 points mm-hmm. that he averaged throughout the season. So there was one more second was all I remained. Like I said, that we're not playing three ball rules. I put the ball up. I put him to shame. I must admit that it sounds real crazy, but the ball went in and he cried like a baby. Shaq wept because Aaron Carter, a 13 year old boy must have like pulled down his pants or something. And he scored that winning basket. So to answer my question, I think that Aaron Carter scored 31 points and Shaq scored 30 points. And that's how Aaron Carter won. And that's how he beat Shaq. That's how he beat Shaq. Math. Right now, we think that Aaron Carter is an unreliable narrator. Much like Hamlet, you don't know if Aaron Carter is crazy or is just pretending to be crazy, if he actually beat Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, when I think of Aaron Carter, the first thing that comes to mind is Hamlet. So Yeah, they're exactly exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Listen, Aaron Carter wants all of you to go to a nunnery. Five people, including Amanda McLaughlin, laughed at that joke. So, like, as you said at the beginning, Aaron's mom wakes him up because apparently he was having a dream and Aaron Carter is an unreliable narrator. But for somehow, some way, there is a Shaquille O'Neal jersey in Aaron Carter's room. How did he get it? He didn't have it when he fell asleep. Where did it come from? Where did it go? I mean, his mom probably bought it for him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, a lot of people like Shaq jerseys. A lot of people did. All right, there you go. <laughs> so what's, that's undeniable proof. Happy birthday, Aaron. You live in Los Angeles. Your favorite player is probably Shaq. I bought you a Shaq jersey. I'm your mom. It's, it's actually a Shaq jersey, but Aaron did not <laughs> want to tell his friends that it was a jersey. Here are my questions. One, did Aaron Carter beat Shaq? Yes. 
two. What was the final score? Shaq, 30. Aaron Carter, 31. Was it real? No. Aaron's mom just went to the local TJ Maxx and picked him up a Shaq jersey. And that actually ha- that actually probably didn't happen. <laughs> but I, I'm glad that we probed whether or not it actually happened. I wonder when it came out if... Aaron Carter got into any trouble or if he had to ask Shaquille O'Neal for his permission. I'm sure. I bet. It's nothing illegal. He's not copyright infringing on anything, but I could see Shaq maybe being grumpy about it. Shaq was definitely in on it. I think that if you He was in the the music video, I think. Yeah, and if you look at the single for it, the the photo is Aaron Carter wearing a 34 Lakers jersey and he's on Shaq's shoulders and he's doing a reverse slam. Okay. And it's very cute because he's a 13-year-old boy who Mm -hmm. beat Shaquille O'Neal in his mind. Well, that may or may not happen. (laughs) That actually happened. One, two, three, three, two, one, three on three. Well, Eric, we touched about this in full court press, but there have been some things in the news recently with the playoffs dealing with players and the media after the final buzzer sounds. Whether you have Russell Westbrook ignoring that one reporter from Oklahoma City that he really doesn't like, or if you have Joel Embiid making fun of Jared Dudley on multiple occasions and also the Warriors, there have been some very fun post-game interviews in this particular playoffs. So for this three-on-three, I have prepared the three funniest and the three pettiest NBA post-game interviews of all time. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to say things, and I'm ready to talk about them, and I'm ready to comment. Do you want to start with petty or funny? Start with funny, and then go to petty. Okay, so we're going to start with the funniest. The number three funniest post-game interview happened after the Warriors won the 2015 NBA championship. Draymond Green was getting interviewed at the championship parade, which, fun fact, I was at. Because I lived in Oakland at the time, and that day I had to work night shifts at my engineering job, and it was the first day of night shifts, so I got to go to the parade that happened at like 2 in the afternoon on a Friday. It was so good. (laughs) Non-traditional work schedules? Good. We're recording in the middle of the day today. Freelance podcast. Freelance (laughs) podcast. So Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are both being interviewed, and they are both (gasps) drunk as fuck. They (laughs) have been on the parade, riding on top of buses, drinking lots of champagne and other alcohol. I'm sure Hennessy was involved. I was just going to say, there's probably Hennessy up there somewhere. So Draymond Green was very drunk during this interview, and Ross Gold on Wu Day was trying to keep the peace between the two of them. Draymond Green decided to go full E-40 at this point of the interview, where if you've ever listened to the rapper E-40, he has a very famous song called Choices, where he will present one choice and then say, nope, and then he will present a better choice, and then he will say, yep. So that song, iconic, if you've never heard it, listen to it right now. There are so many great ones, but there are also some confusing ones where he says, Star Wars, nope, Yoda, (laughs) yup, which... (laughs) E-40 is a Bay Area rapper who has been a notorious Lifelong Warriors fan, so all of the Warriors are very big fans of him. He made a version of Choices about the Warriors that they used to play in the arena. Oh, no, I've never listened to it. Yeah, so it would be like, picking on me? Nope. Clay Thompson from three? Yup. (laughs) It's very good. the only way that song could be better. All right. Draymond Green butts in while Ross is asking a question to Clay and says this. Draymond, you are such a... Clay Thompson? Hey, yup. <laughs> Splash Brothers? Yup. <laughs> Cavaliers? Nope. We won? Yup. They suck? Yup. We here? Yup. They not? Nope. Thank you, Draymond. And the key thing is while he says nope, he is walking away from the interview. <laughs> so he leaves the scene as he gives the final nope. 
<laughs> That's why I'm going to leave everything from now on. Just no matter what I'm leaving from. Like, all right, well, Mr. Silver, uh, thank you for coming in for your doctor's appointment. Do I need more blood work? No. But then I walk out. I love that. That's amazing. Draymond went on to do some other drunken rambling on the platform. Steve Kerr had to save him. What a wonderful, yep. what a wonderful day. Yup. So now we move on to the second funniest post-game interview, which involved Russell Westbrook. This is a funny version of Russ. Don't worry, he'll be on the petty list shortly <laughs> of after. In a post-game interview with the media after the Thunder had just lost a game to the Jazz, he got asked some very silly questions, and he's already upset. They just lost a game. It was a close, heated match. This one in particular rubbed him the wrong way. Russ, did you guys lose this game, or did the Jazz win this one? What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Bro, I'm out, man. That nigga's tripping. <laughs> <laughs> so I have always hated that type of question. Yeah. The did you lose or did they win? But it's very funny because it was towards the beginning of the interview. This is only a minute and a half into his media availability. So he only answered one other question. Was this on the podium or was this in? It's in the locker room. It's in the locker room. Okay, good. So this is my problem with a lot of these interviews if i knew i was getting out of the shower and i knew that a bunch of people of all genders who i don't know are going to come into my room and are going to ask me questions about what i've done over the last few hours i would also be grumpy and i'd be upset while i'm pulling on like my prada sweatshirt and it's not just them asking questions about what you've done the past few hours. It's asking you questions about the big mistake and loss that you just suffered the past few hours. <laughs> it's, okay, so Mike, you're getting out of the shower. Mm -hmm. It's like, so hey, Mike, um, I can see that you really didn't sleep well. Uh, would you say that it was your fault or like the sleep just eluded you? <laughs> hey, Mike, I see that for breakfast you went to Taco Bell and got a breakfast crunch wrap supreme. Did you gain the calories or lose self-respect? Uh, hey, Mike, uh, Eric Silver from the Times, <laughs> the Times Picayune. Um, <laughs> Andrew Lopez, we're sorry. <laughs> Mike, when you forgot to tie your shoes this morning, was that the fault of the shoes? Or was that just like a mental block of you personally? Mike, we noticed that you fell asleep watching Netflix last night in your bed before you could brush your teeth. Did you wake up with a awful smell in your mouth or an awful feeling in your soul? Hey, Mike, uh, Eric Silver from the Dallas Morning News. I, I see that uh, broadcaster to national television, you fell asleep with your hand out of your pants. Uh, would you like to comment? <laughs> hey, Mike, we noticed that you fell asleep with your hand under your pillow in a weird thing, and now your wrist is going to hurt for the rest of the week. Do you think that is your, your wrist's fault or your elbow's? <laughs> uh, would you like to expound upon that? No! Nope! Nope! nope. <laughs> I just put on underwear. <laughs> For the number one funniest of all time, we turn to someone that we discussed earlier, Shaquille O'Neal. So this interview took place right after a game, immediately after. It wasn't in the locker room. It wasn't in the media session. This is on the court seconds after the game is finished. And the Lakers did win the game, but Shaq was very frustrated with the officiating of the game. He'd gotten into arguing matches with the referees throughout the end of the game. So a reporter asks him about this in the heat of the moment right after it happened. So obviously his emotions are going to be running high. And here's what Shaquille said. I Before you play this, the amount of like things you're just like, ah, Shaquille's, I know this is going to be so terrible. I'm it's, so ready. Have you not heard this one? No, I haven't. Oh, it's iconic. I know you were frustrated at how the officiating went, uh, officiating went down the stretch there, but you guys pulled it out and was a big win. Davis Turner wonder why the league is losing money, that's why. People pay good money to come watch his athletes play and they try to take over the fucking game. Shaq, we're on live. I, I know. 
So if you missed that, Shaq says, if David Stern is wondering why the league is losing money, now you know why. These officials are trying to insert themselves and take over the fucking game. The reporter then reminds Shaq, Shaq, we're live. And he says, I don't give a shit. And then the reporter says, I know. <laughs> it's just a perfect interaction. My favorite part about that is how Shaq moves away from the microphone because he's like, I'm done talking about this. And he's like, Shaq, this is live. He's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Like slowly moving away from the microphone. He's like, I'm very aware of what's happening here. Oh, what a what a man. What a man. What a mighty good man. And it makes sense of like, I don't know, if even if you're going to interview someone right after the game, don't focus on the grumpy stuff. I get that he was trying to put a positive spin on it, but you're still at the end of the day asking someone, hey, you looked really pissed a couple minutes ago. How's that going? Tell me about it. It's like, hey, are you, wow, I'm so surprised you just swore. It happens a little bit in this interview. This is one that's going to make the honorable mention is there's one time after a game where a woman reporter asks Shaq a post-game interview question, but she is so short that she holds the microphone at full stand and you just can't hear anything Shaq is saying for like 20 <laughs> seconds. Just like, barbecue chicken. So you get a little bit of that in this interview with the I don't give a shit being hard to hear but that is uh, that's one of my favorite interviews too because she's trying so hard to hold the microphone to his mouth but he's just so tall I love that Shaq's voice just resonates on a he's like a dog whistle his voice <laughs> is like this too low to get caught on microphones I am so happy that this man has a television career <laughs> I believe in miracles. I love Shaq. You have to do the anti-Roman Mars if Shaq had a podcast. You'd have to, like, decrease all the bass from his voice <laughs> to make it actually something that you could hear. I feel like we'd have to throw Brandon Grugel on the case. He'd be like, help us understand this man. <laughs> and then he's going to be like, hi, I'm Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> and welcome to 99% They Found Me. Barbecue chicken. <laughs> Ernie. I love, Ernie, the, I love Ernie. the general. The general is great. Chuck, I'm so much better at basketball than you are. <laughs> wow, Brandon Grugel. So good. What a what a great audio technician. Uh, so those were the three funniest NBA postgame interviews. But now it wouldn't be horse if we didn't get into some petty drama. So we get into the three most petty NBA postgame interviews. No drama? Nope. Pettiness? Yep. yep. <laughs> Thanks, E40. Right. E40, also, if you want to come on the podcast, that would be great. Oh, I just, please, I just, please, E40, I would, please. The come. podcast would just us be asking him questions, hoping that he would say nope to one and then following it up with one that we know he would say yup to. <laughs> the third most petty NBA postgame interview comes from Russell Westbrook. Hey. It is not the current thing where. For a while, he had just been saying next question anytime that one particular reporter from the OKC beat asked him questions, he would just say next question. It's a guy by the name of Barry Trammell. And Russell hates this guy because after a playoff exit where the Thunder lost a playoff series, Barry Trammell wrote this big piece in whatever newspaper he works for called Mr. Unreliable about Kevin Durant. And it was basically just bashing Kevin Durant for his performance and saying like, oh, when your contract's up, why don't you just leave? Russell Westbrook didn't like the way his teammate has been treated. And ever since he wrote that article, he doesn't give sincere answers to this reporter. Mm. One time in particular, though, instead of saying next question or anything like that, Russell Westbrook took a page out of Marshawn Lynch's book. This was, again, in the locker room. So just got out the shower, all has his new clothes on, et cetera. And to every single question that Russell Westbrook was asked, he said, you know, we just did a good job executing out there. <laughs> to every single question. If it was a positive thing about them playing well, he said, we did a good job executing. And if it was something negative that they didn't do well, he said, we got to do a better job executing. Oh, I love that he changed it. That's mm -hmm. very good. This newspaper should just 
not have this dude asking Russell Westbrook questions. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Especially now, sports journalism more than ever is so much about relationship building mm -hmm. because you can just like send someone a DM or send someone a text. Yeah. So it's not like you need to go into the locker room. So when you do go into the locker room or you do these like stayed press conferences, like what? I, I don't understand the, the effect here. And like, if you've pissed off a player, that is your fault as your job. The player's job is to be available one and two, play the game. I know it's part of their job to just be out there, but like you still got to talk to them and, and elicit like they're a source. Mm -hmm. But also the newspaper, stop sending Barry Trammell there. Like, stop. You're just creating buzz and drama at this point. It's yeah. not worth it. Okay, so you pick you. Times pick you. But it's the best name for a newspaper. I'm not saying anything. I just love the name. <laughs> so Barry asks him a question, and Russell again gives the good job executing answer, which he had given to multiple people at this point. And then Barry, being Barry, does this and steps up to Russell Westbrook and asks him this. Are you upset with something? Really upset. I just don't like you. You don't? No. Do you not like Nick either? I love Nick, but I don't like you. Well, you gave us about the same answers. Yeah. You got another question? You played a great game. One of your better ones. Is this one in terms of production? Assists, rebounds, points. Is this one of the better games you can think of in your in your career? Good execution. The problem with Barry there, I get that he was trying to ask a genuine question, but don't ask him a question where the answer can be, we did a good job <laughs> executing. Come on. Barry, get your shit together. If you're trying to prove a point, Barry, you gotta ask him something else. That's funny. Oh man. So I appreciated Russell doing this. I also just like the honesty where he's like, I love this guy. I just don't like you, Barry. You dumb face and you ask dumb questions. You're a bad writer, Barry. Barreled. <laughs> So the second most petty NBA postgame interview involved LeBron James in last year's finals. Oh, LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. This one, unlike maybe the Russell Westbrook one where you kind of have to give backstory and justification, this one, LeBron James completely within his own right to act this way. I'm excited. So this was after the infamous J.R. Smith not knowing the score and dribbling the ball out, even though it was tied. He thought they were ahead and J.R. made this boneheaded play where the Cavaliers probably could have won the game pretty easily, but he made a big dumb goof and then it went to overtime and the Cavaliers lost. J.R. Smith did not do any post-game interviews afterwards for good reason because yeah. he would have gotten torn apart but LeBron James being the consummate professional that he is did a post-game presser with the media and he tried to genuinely be a very good sport about it even though that they were asking him really tough questions after a heartbreaking loss so it gets to this last reporter from ESPN and he basically asks LeBron do you know what was going through J.R. Smith's head did he know if the score was tied did he think that you were ahead etc LeBron basically says I don't know you can ask J.R. Smith. I knew what the score was. I tried to help my team out. J.R. Smith might not have known. And the reporter just keeps egging him on and on to answer this question. And LeBron has to keep saying like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what this man was thinking. And then LeBron gives so many like nice, genuine answers. We'll put a link to where you can listen to the whole thing. And then finally, the guy's like, just gets down to the base of it and goes, but did J.R. Smith know the score? And then LeBron just storms out. And it's not just that he storms out. He storms out and does very specific things. So he's sitting down. He stands up. 
he adjusts his shorts because this is where he was wearing a suit, but the pants were shorts instead of pants. That was very good. So he stands up. He has to adjust his shorts, which looks ridiculous given his ludicrous outfit. He then grabs a pair of sunglasses, very slowly puts them on. He grabs his Beats headphones, puts them on. Then he grabs a purse, (laughs) which you can't say it's anything else. If you want to have a bag, you do you, whatever. You can't like look angry holding a purse. Yeah, it's true. Like you can grumpily put on a backpack or an over-the-shoulder bag or a duffel bag or a suitcase. But if you're just grabbing a purse that you're just holding in your hand that doesn't have a lot of weight. It's like it's a clutch. Like it's a clutch. (laughs) Yeah. To him, it's a clutch. To anyone else, it's a big duffel bag. He then descends from the platform, which is a couple steps. He then mumbles to the crowd, be better tomorrow. And then before he leaves the room, points at one reporter approvingly to be like, except for you, Richard, I love you. (laughs) And then leaves the room. Oh, and it's so fantastic. I was excited. I thought you were going to just say, like, and then he put on his Beats headphones, and then he put on his Trilby hat, <laughs> and, then he put on his, and then he put on another pair of shorts, and then a scarf, <laughs> and then he put on a muffler, <laughs> and then an ascot. And then he hopped on his Segway. <laughs> and then he hopped on his electric scooter and went, phew, and then he went out of the room. He started eating Fun Dip. <laughs> As On the way out, he grabbed a carton of milk and just chugged it on the way out. He knocked over a lamp. <laughs> he said, screw you guys, I'm going home. And then he went home. He said, smell you later. <laughs> and, then you, and then you cut to a car that was following him. And then you just see him on the highway going. <laughs> so now we get into the final. And this one could have been in the funniest, but I think it was pettiest as well. It's the most iconic post-game interview to ever take place. It is the infamous Allen Iverson. We're yes. talking about practice. Not a game. Interview. Not a game. Not a game. But practice. So this was not technically a post-game presser, but it was still a media availability. This interview is so infamous that you can read the full transcript on Genius. <laughs> It's got the full transcript of the whole interview. You can find this. We'll have the link to it on YouTube as well. But this took place during the 2001-2002 season. It was one year after Iverson had won the scoring title and they were in the NBA finals. They were not doing great. They were just over 500. They were getting they got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs by the Celtics. Not a good year in 2001-2002 following such a successful year the year before for them. Shout out Antoine Walker, shout out Paul Pierce, shout out Kenny Anderson. Are you, are you feel, I just feel better? Feel better? <laughs> yeah, just let me shout out Antoine Walker, my, my best friend. <laughs> so the reason that this press conference took place is because the heated nature of the relationship between coach Larry Brown, who was a garbage person, and Allen Iverson at the time, got very public. Most recently, there were rumors of them having a shouting match outside of the team's training facility that centered around whether or not Larry Brown was going to try to trade Allen Iverson and all this other stuff. And what was discovered to be the root of this argument that what made Larry Brown upset is that Allen Iverson either didn't try very hard in practice or just didn't show up to practice. Mm -hmm. And Allen Iverson made it very clear in this interview that he was not the biggest fan of practice as an institution. (laughs) I'm so ready for this. This is like you're putting on like a blues album that I remember from my youth. (laughs) It's going to be like sweet songs. I'm so ready. I supposed to be the franchise player and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. 
I mean, how silly is that? Man, we're talking about practice. <laughs> like, okay, we got it. We got the it. best is that by the end of it, he has said practice so many times. He said the phrase, we talk about practice so many times that all the reporters in the room start laughing and it becomes very comedic. So it starts as calm. It becomes heated and angry. And then by the end, we're all laughing. <laughs> we're, all, we're all just talking about practice. <laughs> it's a true roller coaster of emotions. He, over the course of this tirade, said the word practice 32 times. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> Nailed it. This is the NBA equivalent of what's the deal with airline food. <laughs> what's the deal with practice? It's not a game, but we're playing ball. It's practice. It's also similar to the NFL coach where one time when they like it was the Colts where they were like in the running for the playoffs, but they lost a bunch of games in a row. And then they ask him like, oh, do you think this hurts your chances at the playoffs? And he's like, playoffs? Playoffs? We're just trying to win a game. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. I like that every sport has one of these, and this is easily the most famous of basketball. And it has been memefied to death, and it is like one of Allen Iverson's legacies is this practice tirade, and gosh, I just love it. That's why Allen Iverson is one of the top 10 best basketball players of all time. Maybe he's not necessarily like in skill, but mm -hmm. I think it's just like celebrity and people love him. In impact, he's got to be top three. Shooting sleeves, Allen Iverson. Braids, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson's shoes, very cool. I had a pair of AI3s where on the inside of the shoe, it had Allen Iverson's face yep. as the insole. Gosh, so good. When, when the league decides that you're too cool and you have to change an entire, oh, we could have a whole conversation mm -hmm. about the dress code in the mid-2000s. Yep. Yeah, that's how cool Allen Iverson was. Also, his nickname was The Answer, which is so it's good. It's so Ugh. Good. AI, the answer that feels like a Nelly lyric already. <laughs> <laughs> so those were the three funniest and the three pettiest NBA postgame interviews. And I can only hope that we continue to have more funny and more petty ones in years to come. Was it funny? Yup. Was it entertaining? Yup. Was it petty? Yup. <laughs> Was it boring? Nope. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horses, hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The website is by Kelly Beckman. And the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Teal, Misha Stanton, Brianne Wingate, Burger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Walter Vandermaiden, Cody Powell, and Matt's Furley. Mike, you know where you can send us all of your Allen Iverson memes? To practice. Practice at our social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can find us on the internet. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at, at Horse Hoops. And you can find us on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops. Because as we say every single episode, it's because... Horse Hoops was run by Barry Trammell. <laughs> <laughs> Horse Hoops was, yeah, so uh, they were banned. Oh, yeah. uh, they were banned. Right, right, right. Because Russell Westbrook is in charge of Twitter. <laughs> Listen, he would do a much better job. Hey! hey. You can also find us on our website at horsehoops.com, where we post extended episode descriptions, and it's really pretty and sponsored by Wix.com. And it's got links to all of the post-game clips that we had today, so you can watch them in their entirety and context. I love context. Love a good context. For three, bang, context. <laughs> And if you want some sweet bonus content, such as stickers, jerseys, streams of me kicking Eric's button, NBA 2K, bonus audio, bonus text, where we turn things into five on five, you can go to patreon.com slash horse hoops. Mike, you know who is a reliable narrator who would tell us if they beat Jack? Nick Carter. <laughs> yeah, well, probably not. But Multitude. Uh, yes, Multitude. Multitude is an audio collective of awesome people who make podcasts about things that they love. But that does not mean we can't be critical about them. That is horse. That is join the party. That is Potterless. 
That is Spirits, and that is Waystation. If you want to find us on the internet, you can go to multitude.productions and multitude.productions/live to hear all about all of the live shows that we talked about in the beginning of this episode, or you can follow us on Twitter at Multitude Shows. And as we end every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. Man, I am torn between an E40 thing or practice or saying I don't give a shit. (laughs) I think practice. I like practice. All right, so we'll say practice on the count of three. One, two, three. Practice! Practice! Now we are talking about practice. We are talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game, but practice. But practice. (laughs)